Hey, we're back again for Knowing God with Heart and Mind, the regular visit to the virtual church classroom at Shiloh in Jasper. That's Shiloh, Jasper, and we are Bethany and Dan, Pastor Dan and my daughter Bethany in the virtual church classroom. We were doing germ-free virtual classroom way before it became a thing. We already had a virtual church classroom when COVID-19 forced everybody else to have one or something like that. I guess we're boasting and that's not very nice. That's probably pride, but <laughs> what I guess I really want you, you sound to sound a little hipster. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we were podcasting before it was cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess all I really want people to hear is is that uh we care for your soul and it doesn't matter if your body is with us in a building uh we can still care for your soul and still help you to join us in in the conversation so before i stick my foot any further down my throat i better just get on with it here we are recording on uh tuesday april 21st it's 303 in the afternoon where we are and we are recording episode 10 of the C.S. Lewis Great Divorce book study. Then we are on chapter 9 of The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis Jack. And uh, this is a chapter where uh, the character, who is presumably Jack, is meeting his spirit guide, mm -hmm. his, his mentor in heaven. So after witnessing a variety of conversations and actions between ghosts and spirits, Lewis is confused and he's miserable and a little bit fearful. Mm -hmm. And then at last he is approached by his guiding spirit who is none other than the author, poet, and Christian minister George MacDonald, who Jack really did admire. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he, he's writing fiction and fact here uh, and combining them. And uh, I can't do... A Scottish brogue. So all I can say is, is that he says there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Now, that's a phrase you've probably seen before, quoted before. But that is the most important thing that you're going to learn in this lesson today. And uh, we do hope you're reading the book. We hope that you have a copy of it. Mm -hmm. It's easy to get, uh, and it's uh, inexpensive. And uh, if you are curious where we get the questions and, and the, the pattern that we're following, we're using the Great Divorce Study Guide by Brown Chair Books and author Alan Vermelier. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is, is, we're not really doing the study as it's written and so you know my advice to you is, is if you want to take this and and uh, use it as a book study for your for your personal or for your small group benefit get this go on brownchairbooks.com and find this and and buy it and use it you'll be glad you did but uh, at least here we're talking mm -hmm. around these points and, uh, that and if gives you like books at all the newer editions that are from harper because I'm a book nerd, they have great covers. They're yeah. really pretty books. Yeah. Like, I'm all for having the set, so. Well, and you are a book nerd, <laughs> so, you know, can't, can't They're very pretty. I just, I highly recommend. 
So, uh, Lewis begins to gush when he is unexpectedly has encountered his earthly hero, George MacDonald. And MacDonald stops Lewis, assuring him that he knows all about his admiration and past, even noting that his memory misleads you in one or two particulars. So what earthly hero would you lavish with praise if you met them in heaven and why? So this is, you and I can answer this, but then friends at home, you gotta, you gotta think about this one too. Who would you want to meet in heaven? See, this is going to sound like I, like it's like I'm, I'm being hokey because we're reading this book, but C.S. Lewis has always been on my list. I have always wanted to meet Jack in heaven. I've talked about, I mean, we've talked about how, we would love to just get to sit in on an Inklings meeting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm rereading Lord of the Rings again because I love Tolkien. I love Lewis. So getting to sit in on their conversations about this kind of stuff would be amazing. Yeah. So that would definitely be high on my list. Well, I would say that that... That... that, 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 that. <laughs> Yes, Jack. I'd like to. I'd like to meet Jack. Um, but you know, my father, your grandfather, just died a mm-hmm. week ago, and I want to see him. Yeah. And and I want to see. There's so many people I want to see. So many people I want to reconnect with, mm-hmm. and I want to connect with them there. And connect on a level that we would not have been able to connect on Earth because of sin. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's so. My answer probably doesn't help in this discussion, mm-hmm. but for the sake of the discussion, I'd say that that you know Jack would be a good spirit guide because I think theologically I'm more like him than any of the other well-known mm-hmm. uh, theologians. Um, McDonald persuades Lewis to continue on with his questions about the place he finds himself in. So, what are some of Lewis's questions? Well, so he's observed all of these these ghosts meeting up with their guides and kind of seeing their reactions. And most of the reactions haven't been great, so he asks, like, does this work? Like, like do you get any of the... Do any of them stay? Like, do you ever reel them in um and and then he also asks a really good question which is like is do they actually have a choice whether they stay or not Hmm. um yeah how do they how do they get to be that you know yeah because the premise of the book and sometimes you forget this is that these are people living in hell who have been given an opportunity to take a field trip to heaven right and so that's kind of the premise of the book, which, which it's very easy for us to interpret it as I'm going to die and go to heaven and this is what it's going to be like. And, and even, even Jack says at the beginning of the book, this is not my picture of heaven. Mm-hmm. This is, that's not what this book is about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's a fair question to say, well, why, why do so many of them reject it? And it's really a story about people who have not died. It's about us. Mm-hmm. It's about people on earth. Um, my context is church. This is where I know the largest variety of people. Mm-hmm. And I look at church and I see these characters. Over the years of doing ministry, I've seen every one of these characters. Mm-hmm. And I've been some of them too, I'm sure. 
And, and believe it or not, I've seen the good ones and, you know, I've seen the ones from the gray world and the ones from the mountain. I, mm-hmm. I've seen them both. Uh, truly have seen some of the best and worst people I've ever known in church. Mm-hmm. So what's the uh, refrigerium? <laughs> refrigerium. Refrigerium. So it's this like idea of a holiday basically like that it's that like the people in hell are given a day off yeah to go and hang out and relax isn't that funny i you know i just said the premise of the book is and and it's sort of like i can remember when when uh school and church uh, groups, you know, would would go on a picnic, and they had to get on a bus to go to the place where the picnic mm-hmm. was, and it's almost like mm-hmm. that big word, refrigerium, is a word for getting on the bus and going to a picnic. Yeah, well, and I think it's pretty funny because George McDonald says like not all of the ghosts come here, some of them go back to earth and like poltergeist it up yeah yeah <laughs> um and like yeah he talks about like them um like playing around at seances yeah where'd you go on your and, holidays and um like spying on their family that's still alive but i i particularly find the whole them like goofy like screwing around with a seance pretty yeah. hilarious <laughs> yeah um, and and that's Jack's sense of humor is so British and so intellectual. He's he's this highly intelligent scholar, and he's British, and he's old school British. Mm-hmm. You combine all of that, and you have to really understand how hilarious some of the things he's saying are, because because he says things like, you know, what he's saying is is that that the people who conduct seances are idiots. <laughs> And it's totally bogus, but then, you know, uh, a lost, misplaced spirit, you know, just might show up just to jerk around with them. But it's not yeah. them that's in control of the situation. You I know? also think it's really funny because he says, like, the literary ghosts yeah. will go hang out at the public library to see if people are still reading their books. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's really funny. Well, he's, so, he's ex- vanity, again, I guess, is the key, but... But yeah, so they don't all go to heaven. So Lewis asks McDonald, is judgment final? Is there really a way out of hell into heaven? You just said that. And what is McDonald's reply to whether or not our eternal des- uh, destination is determined before death? Yeah, so he he says it depends. Um, like he, it, Well, I think it's really funny because they don't really go he doesn't go into any detail but he says like well you know emperor trajan and i want to know more about how about emperor trajan because i got questions but he basically says it's a matter of perspective like um like if you if you decide to stay in heaven you probably weren't in hell you were more in a kind of purgatory Mm -hmm. um but if you decide to go back after you've glimpsed heaven, then it really was hell all along and you're going back to hell. Hmm. Um, 
so it yeah it depends on <laughs> it's it's kind of complicated it depends on how you're looking at it yeah i yeah i mean i guess it what it really gets down to is it depends on what you want yeah um i don't know this would be a good one to talk with jack about but what i'm what i'm he- hearing are a couple of scripture things one is that in the old testament there are a variety of ways in which God seems to just give them over to their sin. They're so so committed to their sin that God says, fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I keep telling you don't do it. Clearly, you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to sit back and let you see what happens when you do what I told you not to do. And so then in the New Testament, you see things like Jesus saying the only unpardonable sin is to deny the Holy Spirit. And I think that goes right along with, you know, if you stepped into heaven and you knew that this was heaven and then you chose to go back to hell, that's like denying the Holy Spirit. That's mm-hmm. basically rejecting, yeah, you know, everything that God is mm-hmm. and, and saying, I am more committed to my own worldview, my whole, va- you know, it's vanity. And, uh... I can see, for example, why Calvinists think that it's predestination. Uh, this would be like principally the, the founder of, of the Presbyterian Church. Um, but don't go tell your Presbyterian fan, friend that I'm you know, declaring them Calvinist because maybe they don't know whether they are or not. But my point is, is that, that the idea of predestination makes sense in a world where so many people seem absolutely unwilling and unable to get it. And I can see why folks folks would, would say, well, apparently God just gave certain people the ability to recognize the truth and, and embrace it. But I think it's the opposite. I think God makes it clear, and Scripture supports this, that there are people who aren't going to get it. It doesn't mean that God planned it that way it just means that god knows Mm -hmm. that there are people who just aren't going to get it and i don't know why god allows that to happen but i believe that some spirits human spirits supernatural angelic spirits are so wrapped up in themselves that even standing in the face of god standing in the throne room of god looking into god's eye will still choose self over God Mm -hmm. and you know I just think that that's a a level of vanity that is so they're so depraved spiritually that they cannot escape it Mm -hmm. you know it's like a black hole well anyway so the story seems to suggest that we have a real choice after death that there is salvation for the dead what does John five twenty eight and 29 say? Do not be amazed at this, because a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of judgment. So what is a Christian's response to whether or not eternal destination is determined before death? Uh 
what options did the rich man have in hell in Luke 16, 19 to 31? And that was the one where, where uh, there was a certain rich man who died and uh, there was a certain poor man named Lazarus mm -hmm. who also died and the rich man had ignored Lazarus's plight in life. Mm -hmm. And now Lazarus is in heaven at the bosom of Abraham uh, and the rich man's in hell and the man in hell can see Lazarus. He can see heaven, but he can't get there. Mm -hmm. So what did he, what were his options? Um, in the story, it says, you, you know, in life you had your chance to do this mm -hmm. and now you don't, mm -hmm. you know, so it seems to suggest, and this is Jesus telling the story yeah seems to suggest pretty plainly that if you you know the choices you make in life will li you'll live with in heaven mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah so you know it's important to make the right choices now um then too often we make choices that are vain in nature like like there's a lot of people that are sure they're going to heaven because they vainly put their confidence in their self-righteousness and personal you know, they, they've created a sort of moral code for themselves and a certain societal uh, cline that they want to re operate within. And they consider themselves righteous because they take the sacraments every week, because they put money in the offering plate, because they attend regularly, because they associate with the right kind of people. And, and all of these things they put vain confidence in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and yet they ignore other things that Jesus wants us to give the highest consideration for and so vanity really is the most dangerous you know uh i mean like COVID 19 you could be exposed to it and not know you have it then you could get sick with it and self-quarantine and get over it or you may get it really bad and even die from it but it all comes down to choices you make an awareness that you have of, of your surroundings. Mm -hmm. And you were telling me before we recorded that you went to the store and there were lots of people who weren't following the rules that have been established by the local and state government. And they weren't wearing masks. They weren't single uh, going to the store by themselves to limit the number of people in the store. There were people who weren't keeping the safe distances to avoid exposure and at some point, they got to live with the consequences of their decisions. And some will appear to get away with it. Others will suffer the consequences. And, and will they be like these people in Lewis's story that are feeling sorry for themselves mm -hmm. because they are there and, and suffering the consequences? And, you know, and the rich man says, you know, Abraham, Father Abraham, why can't you at least just let him dip his finger in water and let me suck the water off his finger? I mean, think about that, mm -hmm. you know. And and so, so yeah, I mean, we, we all make choices every day. And I think that, that, you know, the sin or the sanctity, either one, are found in what's in our heart. Yeah. You know, David was a man who did so many dumb, stupid things. King David mm -hmm. of the Old Testament. He did so many dumb, stupid things, but he had a heart for God. And God 
honored him in a strange way as a man after his own heart. And I think it really comes down to is, is that, that what's behind your actions, what's in your heart, mm-hmm. you know, who's most important in your heart. And if it's you and if it's social positioning and if it's, you know, it, then you're going to suffer the consequences. So the story takes us to why is it comforting to hope that heaven once attained works backward and will turn even that agony into glory? Or in other words, that all of your past troubles will now be set in context. Mm. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, anything really awful that's happened in your life, you know, is it's not going to be meaningless, but it's going to, pale in comparison once once you're in paradise um and that's really reassuring whereas if you think the opposite way and you focus totally on your earthly existence then everything bad that happens to you is like the worst thing ever sure well, I was thinking about this the other day, and I told you all, you know, when, when my dad died, one of the things that dawned on me that I'd never really articulated up to that point is that when a loved one dies, even if you have bitter memories of that person, what you realize is, is that you will remember the things you're going to miss, and you will forget the things that you won't miss. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the other day and I thought, you know, I've never really put it that way before. But we talk about how it's not polite to speak ill of the dead and all this. And I think what really comes back is, is that that when you remember people that you have always had in your lives who are now gone. It it stands to reason that before long, you're going to just miss what you what you liked Mm -hmm. you're not going to miss what you didn't like you're going to forget about what you didn't like and i got to figure it's the same way when you go into heaven you you enter into heaven and you move from time to timelessness you are moving so quickly away from all the ugliness and evil that was surrounding all parts of your life even in yourself and you're moving away from that and so your memory in heaven is going to be nothing but bliss Mm -hmm. at some point because there won't be anything else to remember I think is what it comes down to. And I, and it has new meaning in a way because, you know, we're doing this study and I'm imagining someone that, that's always been a part of my life now going on that journey. And, um, yeah, so. Mm-hmm. So regarding those who reject eternal life with God, McDonald says the choice of every lost soul can be expressed in the words, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. According to John 3, 19 and 21, 19 to 21, why do people ultimately reject God? And how can you determine whether a person's intellectual objections are genuine or just uh, a smokescreen to hide the fact that they uh, love sin? John 3, 19 21 says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that they have done 
what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So, I mean, I think that kind of sums it up. It's it goes back to where your heart is. Mm-hmm. Um, people. We kind of like, covered it. Yeah, I mean, people like doing what they like doing, and they don't want somebody to tell them that they shouldn't be doing that. And, yeah, I just... Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that we do in life that we think don't hurt anybody. Um, that's the classic uh, remark of the person who's addicted to pornography. Mm-hmm. It's not hurting anybody. Well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's hurting you. Mm-hmm. It's corrupting your mind. And it's causing you to objectify human beings. And it's also causing you to to take something that's sacred and make it ordinary and then making it less than ordinary, making it absurd and obscene. Mm-hmm. And in order to be excited by it, you have to see it get more and more absurd and obscene. Mm-hmm. And there are victims because there's a whole... Uh, uh, human trafficking thing going on there and these people are drugged and 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 their their minds are are their spirits are are destroyed you know but my point is is that there are lots of things we do because we want to and nobody stops us Mm -hmm. because because we can that we just assume that if we can do it then we don't want to stop uh there are some things we do because our bodies are are addicted yeah and because our our uh you know physical needs are you know it's it's complicated because we're damaged and the damage sometimes creates these things but at the end of the day it still comes down to whether or not you're willing to submit everything about yourself to the authority of christ and if you're not then that becomes a barricade between you and total salvation well not total salvation but total sanctification is the word I really mm-hmm. want to use. So, yeah, we got a lot of questions in this section. <laughs> this so, is a longer one. McDonald gives another example of a scientist whose research consumed his life and who eventually died and made it to the valley of the shadow of life. He did not continue on to the mountains because there was nothing there to prove. No <laughs> question that he could provide the answer for. He had been able to overcome this disappointment he had been able to overcome this disappointment he could have begun i okay there's a typographical error in this question Ah. and i I have to come back and start over if he had been able to overcome his disappointment he could have begun again as a little child and entered into joy jesus reinforces this idea in matthew 18 13 and mark 10 15 why are little children the perfect model for how you are to come to Christ? So those verses both say, you know, let the little ones let, come to yeah. me. Unless you become like little children, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Um. Well, I, I have uh, my answer, but I really just I'm, I'm looking at some notes, and I really like what this says because. It says we must possess a childlike modesty void of ambition and pride. Yeah. Which I really think is perfect. So it's basically like children are humble 
because they don't have, they haven't had the years to become. Now, as an educator, I have met some kids who are pretty full of themselves young, but for the most part, they're humble and they're teachable. Well, and, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of children at an early age get their childlike nature stolen away from them. They do. Their innocence is stolen. And, and again, that's, Mm -hmm. that to me is just criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's it really. It's, it's vanity stands between mm-hmm. us and God and children aren't vain. I mean, you know, the thing about children is it goes back to what we were saying, um, early, early, early on that, that the most, uh, generous thing you can do is to think mm-hmm. and to ask honest questions in order to understand, mm-hmm. not asking because, you're questioning the rightness or wrongness of a thing. You're just asking the question because you want to understand it. Children are, are in a process of learning and discovering all the yeah. time. And what's really great is when that never ends, because I like to think that I'm in a constant process of learning and discovering, even at this late stage in my life. And I think that's something that should be cultivated in people. But I see so many people not doing that Mm -hmm. you know who have said i think i know everything i need to know Mm -hmm. and i don't want to know anymore and i think that's really sad yeah um because that's either intellectual laziness on one end of the spectrum or it's just vanity on the other end of the spectrum so recalling his conversation with the hard-bitten ghost what is mcdonald's answer to lewis's question as to why the solid people since they are full of love don't venture to hell and rescue the ghosts well, I think that goes, you mentioned the Valley of the Shadow of Life, and when he first meets George MacDonald, George kind of talks about how the gray town, you could think of more like the Valley of the Shadow of Death, um, because they were able to get on the bus and go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, and really, you shouldn't think of this as like deep heaven. This is more like the Valley of Shadow of Life. So really, it's almost like the heavenly version of gray town. Yeah. So he talks about like, well, they don't go, we can't go all the way to hell because we've already come a really long way to get here to meet you. Yeah. Um, so like, and he talks about like how once you, like, again, it kind of makes me think of sanctification, which sounds like it continues once you're in heaven. Um, because he talks about how their, their goal is to get further and further into heaven and the further they get into heaven, the more impossible it is for them to retrace their steps. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if they did retrace their steps, they might be in real trouble. Yep. So Lewis's next concern is for all the poor ghosts who never make it to the bus stop. McDonald responds by defining two types of people. And this was that wonderful quote. Yeah. You can say it this time. He says that there are those who say to God, thy will be done. And there are those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Yeah. And that that is such a perfect summation of the essence of sin. I I can tell you that it wasn't until I read uh, The Problem of Sin... uh, that I really was able to articulate to people as a pastor, as a Christian believer, you know, that you can say all sorts of behaviors that are sin. And 
there are people who operate at a certain level where it's important for them to hear, yeah, those behaviors are representative of sin. You know, they, they, you do those things because of sin and because, because it's true. But when you're talking to a fairly intelligent person whose life is, is comfortable and who wouldn't dream of stealing or hurting other people. And, you know, when you're talking to people who don't think they have anything that they feel should feel guilty about, Mm -hmm. you have to explain to them that sin is basically is something that occurs every time you move mindlessly through life and, and not think about God. If you got up today and you took uh, the first hour and devoted it entirely to God, after the end of that hour, you could still go back to certain points in the hour when you weren't thinking about God, when you weren't planning your day around what God wants you to do. So, so the, the, the very essence of sin is, is that self takes precedence over the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. And it's such a natural part of our nature that we can't, uh, we can't help it. Mm-hmm. So never, you can never call yourself not a sinner. We're all sinners. If it means that we all have these moments uh, in our lives where we just give God no particular consideration mm-hmm. and we're only thinking about ourselves. And so, uh, you know, and, and I've described it other ways in my, my lifetime. I mean, there's also the fact that we have so much in common with all the created order. We're like the animals that God has created. We have very much in common with mammals that God has created. And it does seem that a very natural outcome of sin running rampant in a human being is is that you're more like an animal than you are a divine image mm-hmm. or the image of the divine mm-hmm. you know that that you can walk away so far and so long from the the image of god in you that you can't connect to that anymore and you're really just a very intelligent animal and you see a lot of people out there behaving like very intelligent animals and that means there's not a lot of God fire in them anymore. So it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Okay, here we go. McDonald provides further clarification of, on the ghosts who do not make it to the bus stop. And when he says, all that are in hell, choose it. Do you believe that those who end up in hell actually choose it over heaven? Using the following verses... Summarize how man's free will and God's sovereignty work together in salvation. Okay. So according to Romans 8.29 and John 15.16, who determines who is saved? Romans says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. John fifteen sixteen says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Okay, so who determines who is saved? God. Yeah. And this would be the case that is made by the Calvinist for predestination. Romans 5.16 says, or, or what does Romans 5.16 say about who takes the first step 
So it says, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. So Christ. Yeah. He had to do it before we could do anything. And if you think about it, that cancels or contradicts the other mm-hmm. two passages. Just, but it, it doesn't really. Yeah. What it's saying is, is that God wants everybody. Yeah. He justified all. Yeah. Um, you know, it's God's decision that everybody mm-hmm. should be saved. That's why he gave a universal gift. But you got to accept it. Yeah. So John three sixteen, John twelve thirty two, Romans ten thirteen, and Titus two eleven, uh, answer the question of who is the salvation given to, or made available to. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. John twelve thirty two, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Romans ten thirteen. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Titus 2.11 For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So, going back to Romans 8.29 and John 15.16 Who determines who will be saved? God. God. And who is God giving that gift to? Everyone. Everyone. All people. So God decided everybody gets it. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm reading. Yep. All right. So Romans ten nine to 10 tells us what we have to do to be saved. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. There you go. And then according to 2 Corinthians five seventeen, what is the result of salvation? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. There you go. So what is Lewis's concern about the grumbling ghost? What was McDonald's response to his concerns and the dangers of grumbling? Do you think that McDonald is too severe in his judgment of grumbling? Well, so Lewis says that, like, of the things he's seen, her grumbling doesn't seem that bad. Right. Um... Like that she's just a silly old lady. Yeah. You know, just, um. But then what's McDonald's say about it? Well, that. That she could be saved, but if you get into, like, the habit of grumbling, then other like well it's okay not, yeah so so basically the whole premise of salvation and new birth and all of that comes from the idea that if you are born again in the holy spirit you 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 know you confess christ as your savior and you've accepted him in your heart then your heart should be changed yeah so it wasn't the behavior that determined whether or not you got the gift because he says, he basically says, like, it depends on whether she's a grumbler or a grumble. So, like, he says if she's a grumbler, then there's not much spark of her left. Yeah. But if she's grumbling, but she still has that spark, then she could repent. Yeah. But if she's just become that, 
then there's not much point because it's consumed her completely. So can you take a stab at describing some of these other types of ghosts that come near to heaven and then do not stay like the teaching ghost? Yeah. So the teaching ghost just wants to lecture. Yeah. Um, cause they like the sound of their voice. The tub thumping ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> the tub thumper is like a rad, like, ranting kind of person that likes to speak out in public Mm -hmm. um goes to a protest without knowing what it's about yeah yeah i was but is extra loud i was thinking about this yesterday because you know there's been protests at the various state houses around the country and i honestly think you know there were probably people driving around and said wow look i haven't seen a, a gathering of people in a long time and I don't know what they're doing, but I think I'm going to go find out. And then they stand there and protest and wave their sign at the state house. And then they lean over. What are we protesting anyway? And then they go home with COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> how about Sorry. the planning ghosts? I guess you know how I feel about that. Yeah. Um, so the planning ghosts are the ones that, like, they get to heaven for a visit and they start telling the spirits, like, how they can make everything so much better by, <laughs> like, damming the river and... <clears throat> And not really experiencing all the great stuff that's yeah. there. Materialist ghosts? Um, these are the ones that, like, don't really seem to believe that they exist. Yeah. Um, because they spend their time in heaven telling the spirits that they're, like, that this is not real. Yeah. So. Well, it's like that Douglas Adams quote from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I've thought about that one for years you know it's it's the one where where the uh uh philosophers convince god that he doesn't exist so god just disappeared (laughs) okay i didn't realize i don't exist but now i realize i don't exist yeah and then of course the ones you alluded to earlier the bogeys yeah these are the ones that are like not there's nothing human left about them so they really have become literal ghosts and they're like, and they're in that role of just being like a ghost, like yeah. that scares people. Um, yeah, so they're just totally gone. So regarding these ghosts who appear to be vile and unredeemable, Lewis Lewis wonders why they are even here to begin with, and what is McDonald's response? I'm sorry. Repeat that, please. So. It's, it's 14. Regarding those ghosts who appear to be vile and unredeemable, Lewis wonders why they are even here to begin with. So what does McDonald's say, and do you think there is some truth to his explanation? So he kind of, he talks about, like, that, that he has seen ghosts who have made it through, like, that have stayed in heaven, um... And that those that seem really awful sometimes are actually nearer to heaven. Um, And it's because, like, they're... They... So they, they seem to hate goodness and because there's a so basically he ta- he's saying that hate such a strong emotion that it almost works in their favor because they're aware mm-hmm. 
of the existence of what they oppose versus if you don't hate something, you almost, like, well, and like, I've heard it said, like, somebody will say, oh, no, I don't hate that person. I just don't even have anything to do with them, which is almost worse because you're, like, relegating them to oblivion. Mm-hmm. So in this case, he's saying, like, sometimes that hatred is actually going to push them closer to salvation because they're aware and thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Which I do think makes sense. Well, I've told people when they're going through difficult times in their lives, and and I've told them, you know, have you ever realized that anger with God is an act of faith? Yeah. The thing that that you should be afraid of is when God doesn't even enter your thought, when when God isn't part of the equation in your life. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you may think that God is cruel and unfair and unkind and ungracious, and you may think that God, you know, is pretty lousy at being God if he can let all these things happen. But if you're thinking about that, then there's a chance that you can enter into a different kind of relationship with God because you're at least interacting with God. Yeah, you're still thinking about you know, him. And... When, when he's not even part of the con- conversation, when he's not even entering your thought is yeah. when you're in grave danger. Yeah. So it's kind of like the next question, which is the artist ghost. He was quite famous on earth and had begun painting as a means to, to tell about the light. And over time, he lost that desire and just painted for painting's sake. So what does Revelation 2, 4, and 5 tell us about rekindling that passion we had for Jesus when we first became Christians? It says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Yeah. And you know, we're going to be visiting Revelation. I was about to say, that sounds like something we'll probably be talking about tomorrow. Because on Wednesday (laughs) nights, we do a video online uh, Bible study as a result of our uh, not being able to meet at the church. And we're doing Revelation, and chapter 2 is on the agenda tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, i got a lot of work to do between now and then to get ready. <laughs> so from this conversation, we learned that if ghosts continue on their des- onto their destination into heaven, they will encounter a fountain. What is the result of their drinking from this fountain? So it, they like, when they drink from the fountain, they kind of forget that yeah they forget like the anything they did on earth was their own and then because of that they get to enjoy those works as if it was not theirs and therefore they don't have that pride mm-hmm. associated with it um so they so they get to enjoy the thing they did but they get to enjoy it almost through another person's eyes um so that they don't, yeah, so that they don't, mm-hmm. it's not about them, it's about what they created. Yeah. So according to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 and Isaiah 64, 6, what should be our approach to the works we accomplish on earth? Well, Ephesians says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Well, so again, any any wonderful thing that we're able to do here on earth should be attributed to God, not us. Right. Um, and Isaiah says, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sin sweeps us away. So. Okay. Last question. The ghost with little enthusiasm begins his walk with the spirit 
believing that at least there will be interesting people to meet in heaven, and that his life's works will be enjoyed in posterity by those on earth. What contradictory information does he learn that causes him to abandon the trip to heaven? Well, so he finds out that, like, everyone is glorious in heaven. <laughs> um, and because of that, no one is, like, better than anybody else. Nobody and he stands out. Um, and then he also finds out and is really upset because he finds out that, he, like, he's been forgotten yeah. on earth. Um, so he, he feels very diminished because he feels like on earth he's gone. And if he stays in heaven, what's the point? Because there's nothing special about him in heaven either, which is kind of ironic since everyone is special in heaven, but he doesn't like that everybody's special because then what's different. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't say there are no celebrities in heaven. Wow. We've covered a lot of ground on this one. And, uh, I hope that our listeners have been blessed. Um, We'll we'll keep going until we finish this, and I hope that you are so blessed that you would even give us a uh, drop us a line and let us know. So, if you've been listening and you've been blessed, I do let us know. You can visit us on Facebook. You know what? You can go to Shiloh's Facebook page. Uh, just look, sh- just just go Facebook search for Shiloh U M. And you'll find our page. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go to YouTube, you can find our, our video channel there, which is getting a lot of stuff in it now. And that's at uh, youtube.com uh, front slash Shiloh Jasper. And, of course, you can go to shilohjasper.org and visit our website. And all of those ways you can connect with us and let us know that this is helping in your spiritual journey. I really do thank you for listening. We're humbled by your your uh, attention to this. And so Bethany and I just want to say thanks a lot and goodbye. Bye.